The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. All right, all right, all right. Howdy, friends, and welcome to the Moon Tower Soccer Podcast. If you are struck by a bit of fear because you are not met by the comforting voice of Landon Cottom, that is because it is I, Chris Wellhausen, your guest podcast host of the evening, here to guide you through all things Austin FC. And along with me, as always, is my friend and yours, Jeremiah Bentley. Jay, how's it going? Hey, everybody. I'm still Jeremiah Bentley. I'm and very excited about that and enjoying you from what appears to be a room with two twin beds, maybe on it behind oh. you in uh, <laughs> Port Aransas, Texas. Yeah, I'm phoning in from the beach, a little vacay. And uh, yeah, in classic, um, I'm the one cousin who's not married fashion. They just stuck me wherever there was a bed. So I've got two twin pets behind me to choose from on this vacation. <laughs> so you're not having to share one with like a nephew or a cousin or anything. You do get your choice of twin beds. Yeah, it's become a bit of a joke at this point, though. This is the first time in like maybe six years that I've actually had a bed. It's always like, oh, yeah, we got a room for you. And then I show up and they're like, oh, shoot, we messed up. You're actually just bunking with your five-year-old nephew. So <laughs> and you said, so he's a big fan, right? And so this is going to be oh. like a big moment for, for you and for him and maybe you in his eyes. Yeah, Jeremiah, I think you've kind of made me way cooler in my nephew's eyes. First off, I've got to say, not a soccer fan before the season, huge fan now. He's been to two games the entire time we were in the ocean yesterday. He was just singing, all right, all right, all right, all right. He's like obsessed. It's obsessed. We were kicking the ball around, and anytime someone stopped it, he would just yell, Stuver. <laughs> it's awesome. But yeah, he was, I told him I was coming on here, and he was like, wait, can I watch? Can I, can I join? I was like, well, maybe, maybe not. He's a bit too, too much of a loose cannon for the show right now, but he's great, man. It's cool to watch his, his fandom grow. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So for for those of you that are concerned about having to listen to Chris and I together every week, Landon is on vacation somewhere with his family, and he has the misfortune of having to edit this show anyhow, despite Good not luck. being a part of it. So uh, <laughs> he'll be back next week, and I think next week he'll be in Mexico, and I'll be in Florida, but we're still going to do this show. And then uh, I think a little bit later this fall, I'm going to take a vacation, and Landon and Chris are going to do a show. So it will be we're going to go full Wellhausen here did, tonight. Did we just all like subconsciously agree that we had to go relax at the beach to deal with these repetitive poor performances. Yes. Yeah. With everything, with everything that's happened. And so, and well, and for you, um, because uh, you missed the Portland match and we were ready to ban you from the stadium. Um, so did you feel a little bit of relief uh, that we, that we were, terrible again even though you weren't in the stance no so we would allow you I back never feel relief from austin fc doing poorly i would much rather be cursed and have control over that than than us play like we did this weekend but we'll get into that later yeah let's do, let's talk about this week okay so we talked about landon and i talked about juicy a lot uh he finally this week started off with so much joy before turning wrong <laughs> Before turning bad. So, so we signed him. So what's your initial reaction to the uh, addition of our new designated player? You know, I got to say at first, when I heard the rumors, I was really not into it. I thought he was a left winger based on this time at Zenit. Uh, not like a necessarily out and out goal scoring number nine, which is what I feel like we needed. And so I was pretty hesitant credit to Landon and Kevin, because they totally showed me the way and 
digging a bit deeper and learning more about his River Plate days, I'm 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 pretty hyped up. I gotta say, Jay, I love a false nine. I love me a false nine. And this man, he's just built for it. I'm excited. His it's worth saying as well, his first touch, as beautiful as his face. I mean, good looking <laughs> man, good looking skill on the ball. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So what do you feel like uh where does he change things for us? Like, where do you see him playing? You know, how do you see the attack, which has been awful in case, you know, you or others haven't noticed. Like, oh, wait, has it been bad? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler. We kind of stink. So like, what, what, like, how do you see him fitting in and uh, what should we expect to see out of the way he plays and how he can add to the club? I think initially, if Wolf does not play him as a, a false nine, I will lead the riots in the street. Um, but Long-term, you know, it's it's interesting. And I, I will say it can be kind of painful at times knowing Wolf and Reyna keep going for this, like, versatility angle. But it could have a big upside because, you know, let's say Jite finally finds his way over to Texas somehow um, and really starts banging in goals. Like, we've got a guy that isn't just pigeonholed into that nine slot but could play as an attacking midfielder, could play out wide. And I think that versatility long-term has a lot of upside. But the biggest thing with him that stands out to me is – he just, he's super active. I think Landon described him to me once as a rich man's Diego Fagundes, which is saying a lot because Diego Fagundes is no budget buy. Um, and it's true. You know, he's just really, really busy off the ball, really drives into good spaces, creates space for his teammates and his touches. He's just quick. You know, he's like Cecilia now. He's really technical. And so I think what's nice about that is whether you put him in one of those kind of like more progressive eight spots or as a false nine that drops in, I think he's going to naturally pull defenders to him and create space for the people around him. And that's, that's really the thing we need the most. I know we, it's simple to say like, Oh, we need goal scoring, but in reality, we need people to pull off <laughs> from the rest of our players and create that space. So, and I think he does that really well. Yeah. I think if back to that Portland match was just the one that we, it's like <laughs> almost half our goals for the year. Right. That was the one time when we had multiple people making runs and like Diego, you know, pulled, yeah. pulled guys off the ball. And it was just something we haven't seen um, much of. So I'm really excited to, to see that potential too. So you mentioned he's, his smile's great. Um, his style's great. Uh, his, his smile's great. His style's great. His, I, okay. So how does this affect our handsome boy rankings? I got to tell you, I'm, I'm losing a little sleep over it. You know, I've been like a out and out pretty publicly, Julio Cascante stand over here in the terms of handsome boy rankings, but Triusi, dude, those, those eyes, I mean, how can you not be a little, a little curious, you know, it's a good looking man. He's, he's skyrocketing to the top of my rankings. I think, I don't, I don't think you can fault that. And, you know, I have a, I don't think that he lives up to the full lion back tattoo just in terms of the performance he's delivered so far. Cause he's knows lots on, I was just say, is there anyone even Zlatan that lives up to a full back lion tattoo. I don't, you know what it, like, you know what it does prove? It proves that he knows his face is good looking enough to still distract you from a full back lion tattoo, which listeners, if you don't know, go Google Sebastian Drusi full back lion tattoo and just really, you know, pause the podcast, soak in what you're about to see. And then think a man is so handsome. He said, give me that. Give me <laughs> no that. worries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have the comp and confident, right? I have the confidence to rock this thing too. So I'll say he was not the only 
It's not that he was the oh, most yeah, dramatic the big one. Yeah. He's not that he was the most dramatic of our signings this week for sure, but not the only one. So McKenzie Gaines, local product, um, also added to the roster on Friday, did not play Saturday. I expect we'll see him next week. Um, did not get green smoke, which I believe it's probably like Aaron Schoenfeld was the first person that didn't get that. And I don't, I don't know who else, you know, other than has, but despite that, um, hopefully no disrespect to him. What, what, what nah, do you see out of McKenzie Gaines? I'm not worried about that at all. I think, I think McKenzie's going to bring the smoke himself when he hits the field, you know what I'm saying? But I, I actually, I'm pretty excited. You know, I like a good under the radar signing and I love a homeboy signing like hometown kid coming home to play. It gets that narrative gets me every time. And I think too, like, it sounds like a cliche, but I do think those players tend to fight a little harder. Um, I've certainly seen it from Kakuta at times, you know, he's been a little inconsistent, but I see it for sure when, when he gets on the ball from time to time. And I hope we see the same thing. And, and also he's, you know, he's at such a budget roster spot, you know, one of those like um, reserve spots, I believe where it's really a no, it's no risk, high reward. He's a quick, young 23 year old winger plays on the right, which thank God we didn't sign another left winger. That's a plus in its own. Um, No, I think it's, I'm excited to see him. I, he, for the 10 seconds, he had the ball against the Tigris against Tigris in that match. I thought he looked pretty confident and he seems to like a, from what I could find uh, the little I could find, I should say uh, it's like a kind of guy that gets the ball and only goes forward, which I think we need a bit more of. So I think, I'm excited. Maybe it'll, it'll surprise all of us and end up being a really good young player that could have his breakout here. Yeah. That passing the ball thing. So I don't, I don't know how much you follow those, uh, nerdes verdes, oh, the uh, Instagram account, but, uh, they do a lot of statistical stuff and we are leading. We're not leading, but we are near the top of the league and passing the ball backwards. Um, which is sort of directly negatively correlated to scoring goals and success. So yeah, it'd be good to have, Somebody besides Danny Pereira uh, running you? forward. What about you, though, Jay? How, how do you feel about this kind of signing that's maybe a little under the radar? I mean, I think it's good. I like that he's young, you know, and he said he had the, um, you know, it's a U.S. what he's a youth national team player, right? Like we had mm-hmm. U17 and U20, um, spent some time in Germany. And I mean, I think that's a good move for us because I like when we sign sort of high potential under the radar guys, you know, that maybe maybe a change of environment will, will do him well, or, you know, maybe he'll break out. I just, I think you can't, you can't fake talent. And so maybe what, you know, maybe just getting into a new place, getting back home, you know, getting with Austin FC will sort of help light him back up in a way that wasn't, you know, that he wasn't before, but I'd rather do that than like, if I've got one spot, I'd rather have a guy like that than like random guy from USL right. who happens to be having a good year. Totally agree. And I think too, I heard a rumor that he, in his first practice with the team, put three up on like Beesler and Cascante at the back, which it's no joke. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just practice. And like, feel free to send all your Allen Iverson gifts my way people. <laughs> but like, I, I think it says something, especially a young kid to go in and lay down like that is pretty bold. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be, I think it'd be a good move. And that was one, when we look back at, um, I don't know if it was like free agent signings or whatever back early on that were successful. One of the things was like, if you sign guys that, have shown talent and potential, you know, you never know who's going to, who's going to pay off and how the right combination of roster and city and whatever is going to, going to make somebody success. And, you know, we need those kind of guys. We need depth and we need, we need depth with some kind of potential, which leads us into talking about the Colorado match. Um, 
the probably the most depressing match so far. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but <laughs> said that multiple times on this podcast, which talks <laughs> I know. more length to our season of late than this actual game. But yeah, it was it was not fun to watch. I actually, you know, we're at the beach, and so I couldn't be at the game, obviously, and uh, had my family of like twenty people gathered around the TV, and like maybe only half of them are actual Austin FC fans, and I made them watch it, and the amount of times. Um, my my little cousin said you said a potty word was getting a bit obnoxious <laughs> i was like listen dude it's just it's gonna be a, a tough hour and a half here all right it's a, well, it's a way it's gonna go yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i think going in you know like we had this UC excitement we had um uh Pereira was like questionable and not right. out for the first yeah, time in like a while. The injuries were healing. Yeah, same with Lima. You know, it's like it's going to be like we've got people coming back and things are going to be well. Um, and yeah, that didn't necessarily turn out. Um, you know, Manny Perez was in the lineup at forward. Like, what did you think about his performance overall? I, I, I wasn't huge on his performance. I think, and it's maybe getting a little ahead of myself. I think Perez is good at a few things, but I just don't think he's a target guy. I always describe him as like a, a bit of like a teenage giraffe, like speedily running around with those long limbs. And like when he's in the midfield, I think he causes a lot of problems. Cause he's just like, he's like Stroud. He just is all over the place and just kind of headless chicken style, like running around and, and running into people and winning the ball back and dishing it out. But at, as that target man to play through, just don't know if he's quite technical enough. I feel like he just lost the ball in easy moments. What didn't didn't make a killer run in moments he should have, and and just didn't quite space himself in the way he should. But it, at the same time, it's not just on Manny. You know, he's not built for that role, so you can only judge him so much. Yeah, that's that is very very true. And first, like so, I was at the game, and we'll, just, we'll go through the recap a little bit. And I I had like. I remember having basically no hope from the beginning, but when I went back and watched it today, like we got off to a pretty good start. You know, the first 10, 15 minutes were strong. Rodney even had like a decent, like a couple of decent shots early on. Like, how'd you feel? How'd you feel sort of in the, before things went to all the heck, like at, at about 30, like, how'd you feel about how we opened up and, and the way we looked in the first half? Well, I, you know, I think we opened up just fine, but I do want to throw out and not to make this like more depressing. I actually went in with, the opposite mentality where I thought we had a great chance because they're missing some key players on international duty and guys like Sam Hines and Kellen Acosta. They just signed Mark Anthony K and he wasn't ready for this game or he was still on international duty as well. So I was like, Hey, this is kind of a weekend team. Let's go get them. And again, just like against Seattle, we really, we just weren't clinical enough. So, I mean, it, it felt kind of like the same old, same old, right? Like start out with a lot of energy holding the ball well, moving the ball just fine. And then once we get into the clinical areas, people are kicking the grass. People are totally whiffing it. People aren't making the right runs or creating the right space. And it really, i that's what I kept telling myself. It's just like, I've seen this movie before. It, it Even in the positive moments, it it felt too familiar. It said, I really never felt easy in the game. Even pre or post goal, I just never felt confident that they were really changing mentally on the field. Yeah, and one of the things, especially the first half, I feel like it's like Barrios made all kinds of trouble for our yeah, center backs. Like, which he he did. So in Colorado, he ran a lot too, and, mm -hmm. and I feel like we were better at positioning and better at defending against him, and he ended up not being that dangerous. But I mean, we we got burned a lot in in this match. I felt like. Well, I think that's a great point because it's and this is what's nice about this game is we can compare 
to back when we had confidence and belief to now and the visible differences and also the way Wolf set us up. And I think that's a good point is even from the beginning, when Barrios started making those runs, he was already five feet behind our last center back, which in the last game against Colorado, when we first played them, they were much better positioned to deal with that. They were not as high of a block so that when he did make those breakaways, he was really just barely in front of them. They could catch up position themselves and they made a lot of really great one one saves but in this one it was like every time he got it he was already clear through like they were just so high and had no help back there and it was it was frustrating to see us make that mistake again because I thought we had moved past that at points and, and that was really difficult and then of course you know as the game progresses we see the goal do you want us to walk, to walk us through yeah, how that happened? yeah that's good so yeah so Barrios again sort of uh, it's on a through ball that went, I think, somehow through both of our center backs in some way. Uh, it's like That's both some Kiskanta expert and analysis Beasler. there. Well, I, mean, I watched it three times. And I like, it I still just I, doesn't make sense. I believe they just like both of them, like Beasler kind of rolled over the top of it and Kiskante whiffed mm-hmm. at it and eventually ends up at the feet of uh, Andre uh, Shinyaski, who I think it's Shinyaski. <laughs> Shinshiki, there you go. Shinshiki <laughs> at 29. Yeah, who scored the only goal of the match. But yeah, so what do, you, what do you say about that moment? Well, even that goal, it was just like a total mess because even when he gets through, he hits it. I think Stuber saves it and it doesn't. he doesn't catch it. So it falls back. And as he's like falling on the ground, he just barely taps it through Stuver and it slow rolls into the goal. And it was just like, I mean, it was like I was waiting for the clown music to come on. It was just so upsetting. Like, oh, it just it's one of those goals you, you hate to watch because there's nothing pretty about it. And you you just have to accept like your defense is kind of messy in that moment. So if you had to pin that on one center back, because that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna find somebody to blame because we're on a podcast, which is only one step up from being on Twitter. Um, <laughs> who was most at fault in that moment? Knowing uh, may, that you're Julio's Cascante fan. Uh, yeah. Please ignore what I said a few minutes ago in this totally unbiased perspective. Um, I'm just going to naturally blame Beasler because if we're going to like, you know, give him praise for being a vet and knowing this league so well and being a good decision maker, that shouldn't ever happen, right? Like he should be positioning himself or letting his other center back take it and then repositioning himself. So if we have to blame someone, I'm just going to cast it on him and leave Julio Cascante's beautiful face tear free for now with, of criticism. So. If I have to choose, that's what I'd say. But honestly, it's I, maybe the more honest answer is I think that goal is on Wolf more than anyone. Because if we're going to position our center backs that poorly, it's going to expose us to stupid mistakes and silly goals. And that's a good one of they're both panicking, making bad decisions because they're not positioned well. And that's what can happen. That's fair. I think it's a very fair criticism. We'll get into that a little bit. Because um, again, Josh Wolf is a big post-game narrative when we get there. And so let's save that for a little bit and talk about the rest of the first half. So Alex Ring has a header opportunity at 36, which he does okay with, but not great. Mm -hmm. And then at 39, Roddy Redis does something, um, which I didn't understand in the stands. Set Twitter uh, on fire for a good 15 minutes with that miss. So for those who who maybe missed it, um, essentially... Ball falls to Redis, just, I mean, right in front of goal. Instead of first time hitting it with, with a wide open net in front of him, he takes a poor touch to take it down. The keeper closes him down. And then when he could tap it underneath him, 
he basically hits the grass instead and the ball ricochets out of there. So two just perfect moments to just put your foot through it and send it in one direction towards the goal. And instead it again, like cue the clown music. It's just like bouncing around ricocheting because we're not making the right decisions at the right time. And it's just, it was another really frustrating moment in a different way. Yeah. And for me, I was that especially annoyed by that. Cause I feel like he had a pretty, pretty good first half other than that. Like he was threatening. I feel like he ran. I, I love it. Like you're, you never hide your face and your opinions, but oh um, yeah, <laughs> we really need to release video of this. You can see my like snarky facial yeah. reactions, but I, just, I mean, for Roddy Redis, I felt like he, 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 he had some opportunities and made some chances that I have not in this game that I have not seen before. What, what did he do? Well, honestly, what did he do? Well, well, he was threatening in front of the ball, especially like in the first like seven minutes. How is he threatening? In front of goal. Like, because he's running. And at he, the, was, the he was running in dangerous spaces. Turn. I can't control if he falls down in the box. You know what Rodney, Rodney strikes me as lately? And this is maybe a bit harsh, but you know what? I'm mad. We're all mad. I don't care anymore. He, he seems like the guy at pickup who runs a lot, but doesn't do a lot. Like I always see him kind of like half pressing, like he'll get kind of close and then he'll slow down or he'll, he'll make a run. That's like maybe not the right angle. So no one gives it to him. And so I see him buzzing around a lot and stinging no one, you know what I mean? And I just, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm so frustrated by it. And I know he's a young player and there's plenty of time we should all grace him with to grow into that. But if we keep starting him in these games, I'm going to keep getting pissed off because I keep watching this man run around with no conviction in his heart to steal the ball from someone or rip it. And I don't know what it takes to get it out of him. It drives me nuts. That's a very, that's yeah, that's very, that's very fair. Like what, what is going to happen that's going to make Rodney like see the light and play like, in a I different would love, way? I would love, and I've got criticisms for Stroud as well, but I would love a side-by-side of them pressing because I think they both run dangerously, but Stroud steps in. And I think Rodney kind of gets to that final moment. And he doesn't do much or same thing. Like Stroud at least wants the ball so he can screw it up. Like, I don't think Rodney even wants the ball truly like, and, and so neither are good options. I'm just like, I'm really, if you logged on for the, the comfort Landon normally brings, and we're giving you the opposite. I'm like, it's actually worse. Let me compare it to someone else. It's also bad. But to my point, you know, like I, I think that's my issue with Redis is I, I know he's got talent. He's clearly lacking in confidence and struggling to adjust to the league, which is fine. He's very young. He's got time to do that. But I think even the positives are, have such limitation to them that it really is difficult to understand why we're, starting him in games like bring him on where the maybe the pressure's on and he has to care more or the pressure's off and he has the freedom to to grow into the game at the end you know so I just I don't get that decision and it's frustrating to watch him like half commit to good choices I wish you'd share a little bit more clearly what your what your what your feeling is that so yeah right we get, <laughs> we get to halftime we get to halftime um down one nil uh, I feel like we came out a little bit better in the second half. Um, Jimenez had a good shot, a chance. Fagundi had a good chance. Pochettino had one or more like good chances in the second half. So I want you to expand on that a little bit because I think you were, you were very frustrated by at least one of them when we were texting this morning and maybe more. Well, I will say, you know, I, I rewatched the game. In the moment, I was really frustrated with Pochettino. Rewatching it, 
I kind of stand by my belief that he is one of our most talented players that is just not clicking because I saw him pressing with a lot more conviction. I thought he was actually pretty aggressive in his movement when other guys were a little stagnant at times. And he had a lot of, there was this one moment where he had that like beautiful half turn moved around a player and then just didn't quite weight the ball correctly to Fagundes. But if he, that, if it was just a little different on the end product, that's a goal. I mean, it, he did, a, that's exactly what we pay him for. It just, again, didn't quite finally click. And so I'm, I'm actually not as harsh on Pochettino on this one. I really think it's actually worth saying. I think Trudusi is the kind of guy that's going to bring that out of him. You know, he's going to give him a little more space. He's going to be able to link up quicker and, and, and kind of feed into just his speed, his natural speed of play. So I'm, I'm hopeful there, but I mean, what do you want me to say, Jay? It's the same thing. It's the same thing I said earlier. You know, it's we've seen this movie. They they get into dangerous spaces. They pass the ball around just fine in areas that don't matter. Where it's not like you know, just dancing around the final third. And then when we get to the moment, we we don't know what to do. We overthink. We wait. We make the wrong choice, and it it really is just endlessly frustrating, isn't it? No, absolutely, and it's. We'll talk about this, but it makes it a little bit hard to get up for future matches when you sort of see this. You're like, you know, like it's Seattle. It's like, oh, well, they've got, to, to your point earlier, you know, before it was Seattle, it's like they got 10 guys on the injury list and they're playing a bunch of teenagers. Mm-hmm. Everything will be fine. And then you get to Colorado and it's like, oh, they've got these guys out under international duty and then somebody on, like, it'll be fine. It just, it, it never clicks. Um, so on the, I was just thinking on the second half, they looked a little bit more dangerous. And how much of it do you think is like, halftime adjustments and how much of that is the fact that Stroud and Gallagher did come in fairly early in the second half. I think Stroud was like right at halftime. I was about to say he subbed Redis off immediately. I think what was yeah. the joke I saw on Twitter? Someone was like, wow, Wolf saw that replay at halftime and did not waste any time. <laughs> he, he wanted no more to do it. Yeah. Gallagher came on at 60 and I feel like he was for me, John Gallagher was like the best John Gallagher he could be. And he didn't score. But like that's a guy you need like running at people and causing trouble right. for 30 minutes. It's like, what, what did you feel uh, uh, that we got out of those guys in the second half? No, I thought Gallagher was good and more dangerous. I think, again, to the point, we should probably should not be starting Redis, and that was a good indicator of that. Um, and am I mistaken? We moved Cecilio back to the nine once we, we made those substitutions. Yeah, because Gallagher came on for uh, Manny Perez, and right. I think it's when Cecilio went to the middle and Gallagher went to the wing. You know, and, and if you want a bit of encouragement to take, I think it you can see we are a little more threatening when we have a really technical player in that nine spot instead of just like trying to dish it into someone who's not naturally instinctive like a striker. And that's what Drewsy is going to be and then some, right? So that's one positive to take. And I think that's another reason why we started to see some improvement is suddenly we've got a guy that we're going to play through in Cecilia who, who can absorb some attention and dish the ball out quickly. But uh, you know, it's a, it's just the frustrating part that it never quite worked out to the to the end product of a goal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I know. Okay, so then late in the game, there's a lot of time wasting, or this is the perception from the stands. There's like Colorado guys making their best Concacaf, you know, right. selves of them, and then there's a lot of people really mad at the ref. And I, but I, you know, I don't. I mean, people have bad games. Like going back at, when I was in the stands. I was super mad and thought like that guy had a personal vendetta against everybody from Austin for some reason. But then like going back and watching it again on TV, like I didn't quite, I didn't have the same reaction. Like, how did you feel about that? 
Yeah, I mean, again, was watching this with my family, which are largely not soccer fans. And I believe the reoccurring comment was, why do they keep faking these injuries? And I kept trying to explain, oh, they're, they're trying to force a call. And that's the thing. They're trying to force a call because I agree with you. When I watched it back, I don't think there was any out-and-out penalty call. I think, if anything, it actually looked a bit like a desperation move on some of our players' parts because they couldn't get any real momentum going, which sometimes works. You know, you get the call and you get a goal out of it and then you can get your momentum after. So I'm not necessarily bashing that, but it just seemed like they knew they couldn't quite get the chemistry down. We saw a lot of flopping, a lot of gentle knockovers and and just gener- general frustration that happened. And, and Colorado, to your point as well, like CONCACAFed the hell out of that second half and just wasted down the time. Yeah, and we had a little bit of a like a little Donnybrook there, or sort of a minor a minor scrum. Oh I yeah, I was at like seven, seventy or so minutes in there. Highlight of the game for me. I love the passion. Yeah, I I'm trying to remember how that even started because I feel like the camera cut away and then suddenly it was like everyone on everyone just like fierce. And I think Cascante was in the middle of that. I saw. Yeah, I think so. I was the same. Like I was like, oh wait, all of a sudden people are pushing each other, and I don't know why or what like the origin story of this thing was i know and, and i'm judging myself for this because i was the same way but i was like oh hell yeah let's go like i don't even care what happened i'm just like yeah boys get fired up what, whatever the source is so yeah so we uh we did not threaten much late in the second half and we just kind of went out um dropped another like one nil match with a lot of frustrated people mm-hmm. um and fans and uh just kind, of, just kind of the way it ended. Do you have any thoughts just specifically before we get into individual player performances? Like what do we look for? What, what, what do we expect out of the future? And how do you, how do you, how are you not beaten down by the way that that particular Colorado match turned out? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a, I totally understand any fan that's furious. I think it's a natural reaction to be frustrated because I'm a big believer the, the team performance should reflect the support in the stands and the support we're giving in the stands is unmatched. And so creating such a good atmosphere and receiving so little. I do think the encouragement to take, though, is I had this kind of uh, moment of reflection after when I was watching the game where I was like, oh, right, we're not halfway through the season yet. Like there is so many games to make up for this. And it's worth noting, too, and we'll talk about this more later, I think we're only eight points off a playoff spot and we play every team between us and that playoff spot before the season is over, including the two just above the line. So there is plenty of time to make up for this. And we really are waiting on two guys that could easily become starters. So that's a huge improvement in the game and, and guys that'll bring more out of the players we've got. So I think if you're looking for positives in that game, you're going to look for a long time and not find much. But I think if you look ahead there, there is reason to be encouraged and just that the cavalry's on the way injuries are coming back. We, we do have guys like Segura who could easily be a starter as well. And we just haven't seen yet this season. Uh, but I personally take a lot of comfort in the fact that we still, we're only not even halfway through. You know, there's tons of games left to make up for this. And um, yeah, but I, I mean, if you want me to find positives out of the game itself, I really don't think there's much. It was, it was another rough one. You know, it's like, What's the the Ted Lasso saying? Like, think like a goldfish, like have a short memory and, and move yeah. on. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think it's what we have to do about it. So who was your, so we talked about Rodney. Um, 
talk about Manning. Like, who's your player of the match? Like, who who did you see the most from that that would be encouraging? Can I say uh, La Morca? <laughs> is that, no, you, is that acceptable? No, you can't. You can't say Stuver, and and you can't say like uh, you can't take anybody from the stand. So like you know, on the field, I thought Pochettino uh, had fine. I thought Pochettino had an encouraging. Yeah, I, I I actually would say probably Pochettino, just because I think when he started the season, he didn't always seem super aggressive in his in his work rate. And I thought he was really aggressive on the second watch. Like there was a, there was a specific clip I remember watching where they kind of pushed it to their left back and the winger at the time was over there and the striker barely pressing and Pochettino who had just pressed from the midfield sprints past both of them to, to go for that ball. And I was just like, that's the fire I want to see. Like if we're going to lose, lose like absolutely trying your hardest for it. And so, and I think, you know, we mentioned that beautiful half turn earlier and he had some, I thought pretty threatening crosses in as well that just didn't quite meet the, the end product. But yeah, I thought he looked pretty positive and, and hopefully he's taking note of that and growing into it. Cause that, that he really strikes me as a guy that the more confident he is, the, the better he's going to be. Yeah. And I think I, I feel like we got a little bit of that out of Cecilio too, right? Cecilia, Cecilia was running. Cecilia was working. You know, he doesn't yeah. always, but I, I felt like he, he put in a pretty solid shift defensively. You know, he didn't, Nothing magic happened offensively. You know, he helped create some right like same. half chances, but I thought he, I thought he had a pretty good game. Same same goes to Fagundes. You know, I think we're so accustomed to Fagundes's work rate, but he really does continue to to drive when the team looks a little lackluster, and I I never lose sight of that. So I would I think you could give any of those three guys a, a shout out. I personally probably pick Pochettino just because I know that's not natural to him to to be that aggressive. And, and I did think he had some really threatening crosses into the box and, and just drives forward. So it was encouraging to see that kind of grow into his game a bit. Yeah. And you talked, we talked to the center backs a little bit about them being, I don't know, they're out of position some. So do you feel like it was not very inspired by either of them um, in this match, but do you feel like that was positioning? Do you feel like that was coaching? Do you feel like that was them being exposed? Do you feel like that was like a, just a bad game from, I feel like Beasler particularly looked out of out of sorts a lot. Like, what what was your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think at this point, that's I kind of naturally blame Wolf for those moments because we know we we knew from preseason you play a high block, we don't have the speed in the back line to cope with it. It's going to expose it, especially with a team that plays a winger like Barrios. That's his whole game, and so I just I didn't understand that. I felt like there were a lot of moments too that we didn't have a fullback back there to help cope with it like we kept saying them forward so tactically i think we were more flawed than it necessarily an individually bad performance but um yeah so i think i think that falls on wolf on it wolf honestly is it just i don't think we were set up really well to cope with what they do which is hitch on the counter what about you, no. you you've asked this multiple times do you have like someone you're, you're calling for their head for <laughs> No, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm still hashtag wolf in, um, on this deal <laughs> for those of you that do follow too much on Twitter, but no, I didn't feel like, I mean, it was a collective, I think Rodney was the worst player on the field, but it was like, it's collectively not great performance. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'll say this, Jay, I think we naturally want to find a scapegoat, right. To be like, Oh, if this one person fixed their game, we'd be so much better. But the reality is we've got to, I think, a collection of players that are more than enough 
that are all really struggling with a pure lack of confidence. And we could try and get in the weeds on it and we could try and point out Rodney or Beasley or whomever who just didn't do well that game. But it really is, I think, when we get a goal, like against Portland, the floodgates are going to open because they're going to feel that weight lift, that confidence come back and from the back line to the front, you're going to see the change, right? And and Wolf will probably be a little more relaxed too in what he can do tactically. So I don't know. I think it's hard to really pinpoint one person to, to say they just had a horrible game. And the reality is like the mentality across the board is not good right now. And hopefully, and again, if you want to take comfort in anything, I, I think the biggest way to lift the mentality of a locker room is bring in a big player that gives you some hope. You know, he gets Drew, he comes in on Wednesday, gets a few clean touches and, and takes a, a rip of a shot on goal. The team's going to look different. Right. So, so hopefully that's the case, but yeah, I, I struggle to find a, a single player who had a bad performance and more so than just, I think generally the mentality is off. Yeah. I think it, this, that, that ties back to something we talked about last week. And just the other thing that Drew, does is let's, more people play where they belong. Exactly. Right. You know, everybody, get, everybody gets back into position. Um, and it's a little bit the same, you know, and with Pereira coming back, like Diego doesn't have to run 90 minutes every single game. Right. Cause you've got some, like mm-hmm. some depth. And I think like those two guys, cause you Lord knows when we'll ever see Musa Jite. Like I'm, I'm trying not to necessarily count too much on like <laughs> him being the cavalry that's arriving. But I just think even like those guys coming back in and allowing people to sort of, be where they belong, which I, I think will make a will make a big difference in terms of how we play. It's just very hard, sort of in this moment after this match, to uh, to buy completely into that. Especially, right. you know, not knowing we well, don't know if they'll be back on Wednesday or not, or if Wednesday we'll roll out the exact same lineup that we that we have right now. So let's um let's go to the post game and let's talk about. I feel like we talked a little bit about Wolf and um. I think when we were texting back and forth, you had some thoughts you want to share. So I don't know if you feel like you've had your chance to say your piece yet, or if you want to sort of talk a bit about it. <laughs> if you can't another- tell, I'm, I'm super happy with everything he's doing lately. <laughs> I couldn't be more impressed, but no, and, and I'm not, I'm not a wolf out kind of guy, you know, I'm not like calling yeah. for his job yet. Um, I think he is, we got to cut him some slack still. Like we still are missing key players. We're playing people out of position because we don't have real options to not do that. Um, but it is frustrating to me. I don't see enough adjustment either in how we approach the game from the get-go or, or mid-game adjustments. I don't, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, does it not seem a bit like we, we keep trying the same thing and there's not really any major visible changes or, or more daring chances? No, I completely agree with that. And I guess my, the thing that I don't know, and this is like while watching a Greg Brown horror called, Hart, Greg Berhalter coach national team, you know, nil, nil 105 minutes in uh, on my TV at this time. It's like, how much of it is that is he's got a system. He's got a style. He's got a way he wants to play. We've been doing it for 14 games. Well, he hasn't even had the chance to build all the things he wants to build in. And so like, he's committed to doing that before he looks to get creative expand. And how much of that is just like, dogmatic like i'm gonna stick to this no matter what you know screw everybody else in three years from now like we're still not going to adjust and i don't have a good opinion i don't have a firm grip on how i feel about it's one or the other i think and i may be reading a little too in between the lines here but i actually think what i see is he's kind of half committing to change 
So we were most threatening at the beginning of the season, win or lose, when we had that rigid 4-3-3 setup, play through the midfield, press with intensity, counter-press even harder, and, and, and move the ball through the middle, right? Like, that's the key. And, and I can tell when they're lacking confidence because they keep dishing it out wide or resetting to the back because they're, they just don't believe they can go through the middle, which is what you need to do in this system. It revolves through a creative number nine, and it revolves through those kind of free-roaming number eights that capitalize on that space in, down the middle. And I, I didn't see any of that, which is really frustrating. And when I see him adjust, it looks more like pushing someone like Pochettino forward, hoping that just him being closer to goal will give him the right moment to seize the day. But instead, it just looks like a guy that's, really unnaturally out of position and not comfortable and so that's kind of my frustration is like either change it or don't and i think we're kind of doing a little or, or bit don't. of both yeah don't 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 be in between no that's fair right right what is that what i was my dad used to tell me like you're not doing this slow you're not doing this fast you're doing kind of half fast like yeah that's, that's kind of what we're getting out of that right now seriously no, i mean I, I see that and then so that was Josh in the post game. You know, Stuver in the post game talked about we've got a whole bunch of guys. So he said really pissed off in the locker room. But yeah, I mean, you know what is that? What is that mean? opinion on this? Because yeah, this is something that does really piss me off about this team. And and I love I love our boys so much. But other than Fagundes and Stuver, who regularly comes out and says that wasn't enough on social media, and says we need to be better, these guys. I, I see him post the next day floating on the river and, and hanging out and having a good time. And I hope they recover and I hope they still enjoy themselves after a loss and, and get their mind straight. But I, it's kind of frustrating at this point that there's been this many bad performances and all of them are resoundingly coming out and saying, guys, it's not enough. We're angry. We need to keep moving forward. I see a lot of silence. So when I heard that quote from him saying, everybody's pissed off in the locker room, I'm like, show me, prove it, because I don't see it. I see a lot of people not playing like they're pissed off and, and, and really not having enough intensity. And I, I don't hear half of them going to their social media accounts and taking advantage of that to say, we need to do better for you, which is what they need to do. They need to do better. And I hope, I hope they were all pissed off. You know, I hope Stuver's right. And I hope they were angry in that locker room. I hope they were yelling at each other. And I hope they didn't sleep that night, frankly, because I'm tired of watching this routine of, of not, living up to the moment and performing enough and they should be angry about it and they need to be angry now because we got a couple of really important games coming up this week and yeah, they cannot from, afford to not care yeah for many i think alex ring he's not on social media but there's no doubt that alex ring is also angry about yeah. what's even, happened and i know he's kind of the silent leader but like man if you can post pictures on instagram of your pool you can post a <laughs> two-second video of you saying like the boys are furious. We're going to go harder on Wednesday. Like everybody's restless after that. You know, like I want to hear that. I want to know you care. I think it's, I think it's a fair criticism. I think that's, well, even, uh, you know, who was it? Oh, I guess it was Bills. Chris Bills talked about, you know, the supporter section being undefeated, you know, no right. matter what goes on, which is a little bit of what we talked about. So it, it would be good to see that kind of passion. So, um, so we're going to get into We'll get into this week a little bit, but before we do that, like, I mean, before we talk specifically about Dallas and Houston or Frisco and Houston, if you will, Good for those of, those of us that have been conditioned by slack, um, you know, well, I mean, what, what do you see just generally, like, 
do we get Pereira back? Is that going to make a difference? I think what should we look for? What we should look, what should we look for in the club that will look different, you know, exclusive of our opponents? Yeah. I think in general, if you want some positives, Danny Pereira really is the key. You know, I mean, he, he changes the entire dynamic of that team with his ability to take the ball, hold the ball, absorb some attention and then redistribute in a progressive way. Um, and I mean, there's some ridiculous stats too that you can see of like how much more successful we are when he is on the field versus when he's not. Um, so I do think that's a big thing that hopefully, you know, you'd have to guess we'd surely see him in one of the games coming up this week. Uh, and again, you know, Reina said in the press conference, Drew is ready. It's just COVID protocols keeping him from playing on uh, again against Colorado. So he expects him to play possibly against Houston, certainly against Dallas. So that's a huge bit of encouragement because just imagining having, you know, Fagundes, Dominguez, Pereira, Pochettino, and Triussi as the front attacking set is, is pretty dreamy to me. So I'm, I think that's a really exciting thing. And, and of course, obviously, uh, McKenzie Gaines is going to come out of nowhere and score nine goals in two games. So it's going to be awesome. I'm, yeah. Can't wait for that moment. But uh, yeah, so I think there are some encouraging things to look to, but um, you know, we've got two big games and big tests this week. So if we can, if, if they can come quick enough and prove themselves under the heat of the moment, like fingers crossed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's almost, I mean, you don't want to, we're still pretty early, but it like uh, going out and doing doing what we've done for this week would I feel like the season would be in fr- too much in front of us at this point. Like you know, I think, these are people we're competing with for the last playoff spots, and if we crap the bed against Dallas and Houston, we're going to be in trouble. Right, and I think we're at the really tough time as fans, and that we've got enough of a sample size of games to like draw conclusions. But it's also so early in the season that there's still plenty of reason to be hopeful for change. And so I think everyone, you, you can see it in people's comments online, are like stuck between these two black and white perspectives, <laughs> which which I'm not even judging against because I flip-flop between them all the time. And, and it's, I think, really valid with how frustrating it's been. But, um, you know, I think, I think if you're looking for a silver lining here, it's that we have a lot of games in hand. The teams we have coming up, are not quite as strong as, as the teams we've played. And, and if Stuver is telling the truth and they are pissed off, like anger can lead to change in a, in a soccer team. Right. So let's, let's hope that does drive them. And let's hope in these, you know, rivalry games we have coming up this week against Houston and Dallas, we really see that fire come out. Um, and it may, you know, it's, it, maybe it's written in the stars, Jay, maybe we, we put up four goals against Houston and, and beat Dallas away. And then suddenly the season's changed and that's where it happened. Like I'll take that any day of the week. If that's how the soccer gods have outlined it. Yeah. I'm willing to believe that. So let's see. So let's take a break and we're going to go forward with the belief in mind that, yes. uh, you know what, <laughs> we're going to get Pereira's going to come back. We're going to add a couple guys. We're going to get healthy. We're going to get, get the world right. And uh, we're going to make this playoff run that everybody sort of expected us to to be in competition before. And there's no reason to believe that with 20 something games left, we can't go ahead and do it. So we'll take a break. And then we're going to preview the Copa Teos matches coming up this week. Let's do it. Moon tower soccer is brought to you by our friends at FEF law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. 
FDF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community transparency and client education. You can go to FEF.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal, legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Again, that is FEF.law. And Chris, we have a new sponsor. Let's talk about hot sauce. Ooh, I love hot sauce. Great. Well, let's talk about Teardrop Pepper Company. Teardrop Pepper Company has finally created the perfect recipe for hot sauce right here in Austin, Texas. Do you have a hot sauce pun you want to make right now? Um, I would, but it might be a little too spicy. All right, thank you. Perfect. There you go. Their all-natural award-winning hot sauce has a delicious blend of flavor and heat, enhancing your favorite foods and leaving you wanting more. Whether you like the zesty kick of golden habanero, I love me some habanero. Oh yeah. And usually in my uh my wife and I make uh spicy uh bloody marys. Every mm-hmm. weekend morning, which is probably more than we should, and Says always a lot about little, you. <laughs> always with a little <laughs> habanero in it. So definitely a big fan of that. Or the smoothness of Supreme Serrano is the best way to spice up your Austin FC pre-match meals. Oh, meals, not just vodka. Look, <laughs> Teardrop we, pepper company. If they can spice up the matches in general, they're the perfect yes. thing for all of us yes. right now. Or spice up your matches. Maybe we should like sprinkle a little bit about a little of that in the 18-yard box in the attacking yes. third. Yes. That might work. Yeah. So Teardrop Pepper Company has two unique flavors available, and you can order them from their website, teardroppepperco.com, or from their social media pages, and you can use an offer code GOAL to save 10% off your order. Put it on everything. They will make more. And remember, guys, the more we use that goal offer code, the more likely we are to actually score. <laughs> actually score. That's right. So we are back. We're going to preview Copa Tejas. I have a very uh, direct note written into the show notes, Chris, about uh, the Copa and how we would like, you know, how you might want to talk about Houston and Dallas and your, your love of those cities and it's, what this it's, all means. It's a real shame. People can't read the show notes at some point you need to post them. Cause there's some really good, just like one liners dropped in there. Um, that I don't know why they keep giving me access to the Google docs, but um, yeah, listen, if you think my semi tequila inspired rants on Twitter are a little over the top, it's about to get much worse this week because I live for rivalry games and we have two in the span of what four five days yeah the fourth yeah the fourth and the seventh so they're like yeah four days it's gonna be an emotional week but yeah i think it's worth noting too like rivalries aside it's against two teams that are between us and the playoff spot so direct competitors for our goal of the season it's gonna have a lot of weight to it yeah. And so do you feel like we got a lot of little brother talk? I feel like I feel like on Reddit and on Twitter from especially I think a lot out of Houston, which I don't know why Houston people would be more yeah, you dismissive know of Austin than anybody else. But yeah, yeah let's I get see spicy. All, I see all these Houston and Dallas fans saying, oh, like the rivalry is not even relevant to us. And oh, look at Austin just trying to be relevant or act tough or whatever listen my philosophy on life stands true in this in that the smallest dogs have the loudest barks you know i they can try and compensate for their uh, small club syndrome that they're clearly dealing with but the fact is we're gonna be we're gonna give 
Dallas the best atmosphere they have ever had in that stadium when we take, what is it, over 500 people to it next week. And Houston, I mean, like, I don't, I don't even need to make a joke about that team. They do it themselves. Like, I, I don't care how good they are on the field. Like, I, I can see nothing but orange seats when I watch their highlights. Like, I'm not worried about either of them as a club. Like, what happens on the field is what happens on the field. But everyone's going to go in and out of that game knowing who the best team in Texas is. I, I agree. And I love that. And hopefully we can prove that, you know, and Josh Wolf in the post game talked about needing the emotion and combativeness of these games. Do you, but I mean, I don't know. Do you feel like the players feel that? Do you feel, I mean, I get like us as fans and like Twitter jockeys and really get into like arguing with people from Dallas and Houston, but do you feel like, does it mean anything to players yet? This is the thing. I don't think it will, if you want it to mean something as in like, wow, at the root of my core as a player, I wake up caring more about beating this team. It's not the case because they're it's their job, right? Like that's just not how they're going to work. What it is going to reflect though, is I really do think that game against Houston is going to be the loudest Q2 has been so far, because I think even the casual fans will know that game means something. And so in that sense, yeah, you know, the players are going to look forward to it. You know, they're going to be excited to play in that atmosphere. And when they actually are in it, I expect them to, to respond to that. So in that level, yeah, I do think it means something and in the same way, you know, we, we heard them talk about um, the away games in, in Colorado and, and, and in Nashville and how having all that support really elevated them. Imagine what it's going to be like in Dallas when we are the only ones truly singing, creating a whole atmosphere, creating a home game away. You think they're not going to respond to that? Absolutely. They are. So I think they're, they're probably looking to these with a bit of, curious excitement of like what's what it's going to be like but maybe not burning at the pit of their soul like we are as fans you know what i mean yeah i, I yeah that's that makes a lot of sense we didn't talk about this but you know juicy talks back on that sort of um fan experience thing like it's one of the things that juicy talked about being a reason why one of the things that attracted him to austin right is this is this experience and i would hope that he got everything that happened to him this weekend, like reinforced why it was a good decision when he was hanging out and looking very handsome in his jeans, jean shorts. Buddy, buckle up. Cause I think he's about to get the full taste of this atmosphere that drew him here. Like I really, Jay, I can't say enough. I think it's going to be electric on Wednesday and even crazier on Saturday. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So you want to talk a little bit about Wednesday. So, and I'm glad that you think that because my one experience from a weeknight game early in the year left me a little bit worried about how we would react on a Wednesday, especially coming off what we've done. But so you, you feel like for the dynamo, we're going to be up for it. Yeah, I do. Because I mean, a, the supporter section is always up for it, but I think a lot of these new fans to the sport will know that this game means something, you know, Austin's always as a city. And I say, this is someone who grew up here and totally has this mindset. It's just kind of viewed itself with the understanding that we are better than these other cities. And I think that's going to be reflected in the heat of the moment, right? Now we have this, this outlet to show that to the world of how much better we are than, than Houston and Dallas. So I do think it's going to be a little more electric in the stands, um, just having like those more casual fans get, get more involved. But I'm really looking forward to Wednesday, you know, outside of just the, the atmosphere, it's a really interesting matchup. Um, Houston has been struggling quite a bit over the, the past stretch of games. Um, I think they're coming off 
two or three straight ties, including a couple home games. Um, large, they're, they're sitting at ninth in the West with 18 points, which is just five above us. Uh, and I've had a similar problem in that they're just not super clinical in front of goal. They did just make a new signing in Corey Baird uh, from LAFC, uh, who's not the most goal dangerous guy, but will bring a little bit of heat up top. So that's one thing to look out for. But I think largely it's a it's an interesting matchup because we've got two young coaches who are struggling to get their attacks really flowing um, and two defenses that are largely pretty strong. And so it's it's going to be an interesting one to see. What, do, what are you kind of uh, anticipating from the game, Jay? I think, I mean, so do we know? Do we know Corey Bear is going to play? Like, yeah, I, I think he's a little bit Bear over the weekend. Sure. Okay, did he play? So my, I mean, my like my worst memory of this is watching um, Rudy run past uh, Cascante in preseason in like the right. the uh, what was it Copita version of this. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, I think you know we're, we're better than that now, right? Like we've we've had a we've had a um, well sometimes develop. So I think. Everything's there in front of us. This is the kind of match we should win. This is definitely the kind of match we should win at home, just considering who they are, um, where they sit in the table, how they've been playing. Like, I mean, we're we're a last place team if if we can't like yeah pick up Houston on a Wednesday night is a victory. My one fear is that when you're getting two teams that are good at defending and kind of struggling in attack, kind of they're totally struggling in attack, uh, it, it can kind of spell a goalless disaster. Um, what, what is interesting though, is, um, Houston, I don't think they've had a majority of the possession in the last three games they've played. They've gotten out possessed pretty heavily in a few of those. And that's our whole thing. So I think what's going to be interesting is if Wolf's done his research, which I trust he has, he'll know they're going to let us play our game. And so he should be drilling into these guys. Like, we're going to own the ball. We're going to dominate the ball. They aren't going to be able to think in this stadium with the atmosphere our fans are going to bring. Go be brave. You know, Ring talked about it a lot. We saw, saw that clip in preseason. Be brave. I think if we go in, and especially if, if Drusi's on the bench even, and they're feeling that, like, that energy of, imagine the stadium when he comes on, whether he's starting or not. Like, it's going to lift. So It's going to blow up. You're right. they feed off that, let alone if he gets a goal <laughs> – in this game against Houston, I mean, come on, come on. It's, it's like, it's written in the stars, man. Like, so in, in that sense, I think if they go in being brave and they, and they live into the moment and the energy from it, absolutely. It's, it's, it's just outlined for us to, to break out through this, but the fear I do have in the back of my head is they're going to bunker. They're going to let us pass it around. And we're going to see the same old problem of we don't know what to do in the final third against a team that's sitting pretty deep. So I'm going to talk about a guy that we talked about earlier in the show um, that I need Drewsy's uh, debut to be like this. Remember when Zlatan played his first yes. LA Galaxy match and what he subbed on it like insane 70, 70 minutes, place blew up and he scored. He scored at least once, right? He may have scored twice. No, I remember like twice, come- but the first yeah. goal was like arguably one of the best goals in the league's history. And as we both know, they do have matching fullback line <laughs> exactly tattoos. so there's exactly. no way this isn't going to happen for us you're totally right jay so we're going to see drewsy on at 70 yeah on at 71 and like mm-hmm. a low scoring you know nil nil game bringing it wandering. in from half field 10 yeah. minutes later <laughs> i love it i love it so let's let's go ahead and put that out there right now that's how houston yeah. houston dynamo you know, is going to go one thing that is exciting too outside of the fact that it will likely be our best player could make his debut in this game and 
that would be incredible is Houston. I looked it up. I don't believe they've won a single game away. And oh, at all. At all. So their confidence shouldn't be high. Um, I'm sure Tab Ramos is the kind of guy that's going to like hype them up for this game, but they should have no reason to go into this thinking, yeah, we're going to, we're going to walk away with three points. And I think especially like whether it's for you see that breaks through or just the players are up for it and sees the moment. If you get a, a goal, the floodgates open up. I don't know how this Houston team comes out of that. It's just a matter of, can we do that? Can we get that breakthrough goal that takes the pressure off? Let's our guys play with a little more freedom and a little more bravery and, and really just like dominates them. But as you're hinting, there is nothing I want more in this world than the spark of our season to come from a rivalry game where our new rock star DP like absolutely destroys a Houston defense. Like I, if, if that happens, if Drew scores and gives us the lead in this game, just look over to section 234 for me to be weeping like pure joy because <laughs> <laughs> I will not be able to handle those emotions. Oh, that would make me so happy for you too. And, and all of us, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best case scenario. And we don't know if it'll be available for Houston or not, but if not, then if there's a God, he will. If there's a God, <laughs> if there's a God, he will. Oh, uh, but if not, we've got a little road trip a few days later to the North, what's uh, Southern city Oklahoma, in America, the worst city in America. So yeah. Apologies to the, all the people I grew up with who all live in the Dallas Fort Worth area, but uh yeah, we're going to go to yeah, Frisco I'm, on I'm the sorry too that you live there. I hope you can get out of there quickly. Um, yeah. If you can't tell by my voice, I don't like Dallas. I think as a city, it's pretty poor. And I think as a club, it's kind of a joke. Um, people want to talk about their like incredible Academy and that's true. But like, what does it do for the first team? Nothing. They just ship those kids out before they even play. And the second they do touch the field, they're gone too. So, uh, no, I don't have a lot of respect for Dallas. Um, I can respect their academy separately, but their team, I don't have much respect for. That being said, they are doing a bit better than us right now. Um, Record-wise, you know, they're really starting to get a hot streak, which makes this a kind of exciting matchup. Uh, Ricardo Pepe, their latest academy product, admittedly has been looking really good. I think he's on eight goals and an assist for the season so far, and recently had the youngest hat trick in league history against the galaxy. So they are on a bit of a hot streak, but at the same time, you know, are sitting, uh, what's their position? 10th in the West on 17 points. So just barely above us. Um, so outside of this recent form, it really is kind of a, a fair matchup and defensively haven't been great. So, you know, Houston, it's kind of the opposite situation where I think Houston's going to bunker a lot and rely on their defense. that has been kind of steady. And I think Dallas has been kind of shaky at the back. Let's get they keep selling our guys off, like you said. Like they've, yeah, they've like like three three straight right backs they've sold off like in the last six months or something without yeah. even a chance to play. The great irony that if any FC Dallas fan is listening, I hope you weep hearing this. But the fact is, if they kept all of their academy products for the first year, they probably have the best defense in the league by a mile. Yet here we are, here <laughs> they are being a joke. Okay, I'm just kidding. I need to tone it down. <laughs> I'm like really fired up for this. Uh, um. So they're going to play. They also play on Wednesday, right? So we, we both got yes. midweek games and then we both got this weekend match. Are you going up? I will be going up um, to Dallas. Yes. I'm actually bringing a few friends from the DFW area that are, have been following Austin really closely. So really excited for that. But, you know, on that note of them playing Wednesday, you know, we've got a home game 
which is great. And then this away game is really low travel. So I don't think we'll feel the weight of that. Um, but they play away at Seattle. So not only is it going to be a tough game, but it's a long distance travel that they're going to have to deal with. So it does give us a bit of a competitive edge. Um, Jake, I think the one thing I get really fixated on with this, and I want your opinion on is how do you rotate? Because three games in a week is a lot. There's no way you can just put your best 11 out for both and both these games matter. Like who do you bench when? Well, that's where you got to hope that, um, it's where you hope people get healthy, right? That's where you hope right. you get Danny. If you get Danny Ferreira back, mm-hmm. that that solves some of that. You know, you rotate. Uh, you know, Nick Lima's back, so you can rotate Lima and uh, Jimenez. Um, hopefully, me... you get Drew Uzi for one of those. Like maybe right. it naturally works itself out, but that's like every single thing has to has to turn out exactly Austin's way for that to happen. Because otherwise, we still don't have. You know, you still got four guys on the injury list. Like we don't have the depth necessarily to rotate um, meaningfully. You know, Romagna has to get some time too. You, you right? he has to. There's just he he was leading the team in minutes, or he was not leading the team in minutes, but he's among the leading players in minutes early on, um, until they got injured. And he's we haven't seen him at all. If there's ever a time to rotate, this has to be the week to do it. Three games in one week, two games that really matter. Like you can't exhaust your players and lose both. I think we've got to put a little trust in guys like Romagna. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, depending on how the games go, maybe guys like Burhalter get a few minutes at the end just to to let let guys like ring that are going to be crucial in both games, get a little bit of rest. Um, but if I, let me ask you point blank. If you had to pick one of those two games to go all out for, which do you pick and why? Well, as somebody who grew up North of Dallas, I would say FC Dallas. Like I feel like that, I feel like ultimately that's our bigger rival. I don't know why exactly right now, but probably I like it's a more natural you can tell city, city by the rival. way I spoke about both cities um <laughs> maybe it's just baked into <laughs> the city's perspective but no I I I might agree I I don't know I think I almost want to say Houston because I feel like the atmosphere will bring will lift them in a bigger way but and I think Houston could be a little more beatable at the moment but Hopefully we rotate wisely and we go for both, but I, uh, I'll, I'll selfishly say Dallas as well, just because I want to, I want to see them suffer and I want to be the one to cause their suffering. And your rotation thing is really coming down to getting Freddie clean more time, right? Is that what uh, this, this, you've called se- out my real conspiracy here. secretly plot is to get, <laughs> get Doris's son more time. Yeah. That's what we need. Put him at striker at this point, honestly, he'd be a good target. He's a tall yeah, guy. He's huge. Just let him hit it in. I don't know why Wolf doesn't respond to my email suggesting this, like at least once a week, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's why we never give you the uh, Moon Tower Soccer uh, uh, password to get into the uh, weekly coaches press conference either for some reason. One day you will, and that's when it'll all change, baby. But for now, you know, I do think going back to it, like it's going to be interesting to see the rotation. You know, Nick Lima came back and sub- subbed on in the last game. So you'd think we'll see some rotation at, at the fullback positions. Wouldn't be shocked if if maybe guys like Aiden Stanley get a little bit of time uh, just to, again, give Kovacic a break. He cannot play three full games in a week. Uh, I think Romagna is definitely a good shout. I'd hope to see him. And hopefully Driussi, like, at least can be a sub in the Houston game to to give someone a break. At, um, I, I think other than that, like, you got to see Stroud and Gallagher get a start, respectively, in one of them. Not because I necessarily think it's the right tactical move but just because you know stroud's gonna make up for a lack of energy on his own and, and gallagher's so threatening like i would i would expect to see them respectively start in one game each 
Yeah, I think it, that that makes a lot of sense too. And this is good that we have these options. You know, we didn't a week ago or two weeks ago, you know, even even have the opportunity to have some of these guys available. So, you know, health can be a big factor toward us succeeding mm-hmm. in the second half of the year. Hopefully, yeah, um, and hopefully get Segura back at some point and you know make something out of it. And if you haven't, so okay, so you trash DFW. And then you said you're going to take some friends from DFW. And I just wanted to say, like, if there is still time to buy tickets and there's still a few more seats in Los Verdes bus, if you are a person who's listening, who's on the fence about making this giant, like, invasion of Frisco. So make sure I'll put, I'll put a link in the show notes and check that out. Um, yeah, you don't want to miss this one, y'all. Like, that's, there's literally buses taking you from Austin to Dallas and back same day. The energy up there. And I'm assuming back because we're going to totally win this one. It's going to be so amazing. Like, this is like what we live for as fans, right? Like, go go with your fans, drink, celebrate, sing on the way, bring the atmosphere, live what will literally be a historic day of our first rivalry game with, with Dallas and come back. Like, uh, if you're on the fence about it, hop hop off because you, you absolutely don't want to miss this. Yeah, and I read somewhere, somebody was talking about how, like, Q2 is an amazing experience, but there's nothing for like bonding and like a real soccer experience, like a road trip. And I had that, ex- I had that in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the people in Nashville said the same, like, there's just no, there's nothing like going on the road with a hundreds of fellow supporters and, and just making a, making a day out of it. Absolutely. You know, I will say, uh, going back to the tactics real quick, if you're kind of looking at this Dallas game of like, what do we need to be prepared for? I think, the keys are going to be, you know, we got to find out how to shut down Pepe. He's, he's really kind of leading their revival right now. So hopefully you get a guy like ring to man mark him and really just shut off all of his service. And in the same way, and we kind of hinted at this earlier as like a general tactical note, but I hope we stretch the back line more. I hope guys like Gallagher take the ball to the end line. You know, I was watching highlights of our more successful games, like against uh, Colorado the first time and, against Portland at home and uh, both had goals where someone stretches that ball down to the line and then dishes it back in. And it forces that defense to kind of scramble and stretch in awkward ways and it creates space. And when we have the space, we're really dangerous. It's just that we don't make those daring runs quite as much to be a little more edgy. Um, And so hopefully, you know, we bring that back a bit more. We play with a little more confidence, having guys like Teresi come in and, and really test what's a pretty shaky back line in Dallas and on the other end work to shut off the service of their one kind of hot player in uh, Ricardo Pepe. All right. That's it's Chris Wellhouse's keys to victory for those yeah. of you that are, <laughs> haven't checked that out yet. Let's just trademark that one. So yeah. uh, I don't know. Is there anything else we need to cover or are you ready to wrap it up? Um, Jay, there is actually one thing I wanted to toss out here for you. Oh yeah. 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 We're gonna I've, have a game. I've invented a bit of a game. Um, how do I censor this for anyone listening with a family? There's a game many of us know um, from our youth called Screw Mary Kill, uh, where you basically pick three people. You have to choose which one you would screw, which one you would kill, and which one you would marry. I have made what you could call a soccer equivalent of this game called Start Bench Injure. Um, if you would be so kind to be my first participant, I'm going to toss out three names to you and I need you okay. to pick which one on any given Sunday you're actually, well, no, we'll do it for this week against Houston. You are going to start 
bench and the other is a season ending injury. <laughs> so geez, big wise. So okay. So if this happens to somebody, this is not my fault. Just so no, this is, I want to be really clear. Theoretical. <laughs> if I want to be really clear when I say this, it is absolutely Jay's fault. If something <laughs> oh, happens. oh, good. Good. Do not get that mistaken. Okay. Are you ready to play? Let's do it. All right, Jay. So I'm going to toss out three different pairing options. And again, pick who you would start, who you would bench, who you're breaking these for. Sacrificing. For the season. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, it's not going to be easy. First up, you have Stuver, Ring, and Cecilia. What's this is horrible. Okay. Um, do, do I consider who my other options are here? Or is this just... Like who would replace them? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. Okay, okay. So I'm going to start ring. I'm going to bench Stuver and Cecilio. You're going to have a season-injuring hair injury. Yeah. You pick the one DP on that list to injure? God. I just, I mean, I, I just feel like Drusy's going to be amazing, and we've got more depth and attack when he and GT come in than we do it. Yeah, you're right. No, you're totally right. The attack is the one place we don't need to worry about. Exactly. Right now, so let's it's injure perfect. our arguably yeah. best attacker. Hey, makes total sense. I, I host a soccer podcast. <laughs> and you made the mistake of letting me on. So here we are. <laughs> um, all right. Next up, a um, little easier on this one, I think, you know. Um, Fagundes, Pereira, Pochettino. Okay, I'm going to... You think so? You think That's pretty tough, isn't it? I, I, I thought yeah. a lot about these matchups. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start I'm gonna start Diego. Okay. I want to keep Pereira around, so I'm going to have him on the bench. And Pochettino's got to go, man. Okay, I don't know what it says that you've entered... I'm, I'm getting rid of both of them. So both of them, yeah. Um, and this last, okay, last one is a, a bit of a curveball. It's more on the negative side. Um, sorry to all these players listed. You have to start one of these players, bench one, and injure one. It's Rodney Redes, Jared Stroud, and Manny Perez. Wow. All right. I'm going to start Stroud. I'm going to bench Perez. And I'm going to take Rodney. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Rodney. I'm going to let Rodney. He could use a break. He needs a year. He needs, he needs some time off. He needs to like take a break. So yeah. So our first three signings, I guess. Apparently, I hate. Since yeah. Those seriously. Are... Wow. He's had too much time to simmer on his feelings with them. <laughs> I did not um... expect it to go this way. <laughs> okay. Well, as a bonus round, we'll play the okay. actual game of just. Oh, oh, oh good. Okay. Well, so... good. This, this, this is definitely Moon Tower Soccer kind of content here. Yeah, We're going to play the actual me, game. Tell me who you would kill, who you would marry who you'd sleep with on this list. Are you ready? Yes. Julio Cascante, Sebastian Driussi, Cecilio Dominguez. It's a very handsome list. Keep okay, in mind, I'm... we know for a fact Cecilio has a cute dog. I feel like that, <laughs> that factors in here. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Cecilio's Mary, I guess. If I can just pick it, if I can start there. I don't know, but think about sure. it too. All Julio posts on Instagram are clips of his son. You know he's going to be a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I have two kids. I don't need another one. I need a puppy. I need, I need a dog. I need a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cecilio. Cecilio and his dog. He's, mar- he's marriage material. Okay. I and I feel, I, feel like, I feel like there's some hair things I need him to do, and I feel like we relate together in a long-term relationship. I could convince him to like, let his hair flow in a way sounds, that I can't, you know, sounds a little short term, but uh, <laughs> it's fine. You, you do you. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, the hair on Cascate is incredible. Also, this is the tough call. Like, like, who are you banging between these two? No, I'm still. I'm and I. I, I feel like I know him and I know the kind of lover he would be already. And I don't have enough on Jersey. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Cascante on sleep with. I hope if Jersey quotes this episode, in fact, listeners, please just do me a favor with no context, retweet this episode and just say, I know the kind of lover he would be. <laughs> I'm just saying I've observed this man for months now. I've got, I've got oh, no history with Jersey. So he's out, he's out. Doesn't that make him the perfect one night stand though for you, Jay? You got no ties to him, no history. <laughs> uh, yeah, killing, he's killing again. You have a common theme of killing DPs in this game, which is so bizarre to me. No one, Claudio, know your job is not threatened at all by, by Jeremiah Bentley. This game has turned. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you if you had this last question. I don't need all three of them, but like, what, who would your choices be? Are you saying you would do something different? Oh, I could never choose between them, Jay. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that's, um, bull. that's bull, Chris. Come on. Uh, I would probably marry Cecilio again because of his dog, Foxy. I got to have that dog in my life. Foxy, just, I couldn't, even rem- couldn't remember the name. Yeah, yeah you're going to be a way worse husband than me um, to Cecilio. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's no, there's no way I'm going to murder Cascante. So even though I roasted you for your answer, I'd probably agree for now. But like, just know Drew, you see, like when I'm pulling the trigger to murder you, it's with a You're tear feel bad. Eye. Like I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to hate every second of it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay. I feel like we've done enough for one night. Maybe more than enough. <laughs> <laughs> more than anybody should. Um, so this may not be a good time for this plug. <laughs> Remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and actually, man, it's been the audience has been growing. It's been great. I was worried because of our frustration that people would get mad and not want to hear people complain about Austin FC, but apparently that's well, going really well. Isn't this why you brought me on to kind of slow down that growth so y'all could catch up to it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, I, again, listeners, please just like make my day, go give a five star review, but do it with your answer to those questions. Like, I want to know who you would start bench and injure. And I definitely want to know who you're sleeping with, who you're marrying and who you're killing. And I would love if people out of context had to read that in the review section of this podcast, please. Well, Hey, and you have the best uh, of the people we know to be in our audience. Like you have, you have a guy in your pocket who is definitely needs more well housing in his life. Right. Do you remember like Andy team president, Andy Lochnane in the bar in Denver? Like you guys, you guys need more well housing. Yeah, me and Andy go back, you know, it's, it's, it's always good to hear from a fan. You know, I always say, um, just kidding, Andy, please still talk to me if you're hearing this. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Andy, if you haven't given a review yet, this is your time. Go, this is your go tell us who you would start bench and injure. There's no way there's bad repercussions for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing could go wrong out of that. So if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at jbentley underscore ATX and you are at Chris Wellhausen. No, but there's, there's only one of me. I literally just have my name. My <laughs> there's only account. one. Yeah. Um, we're always looking to connect with other fans, talk more about Austin FC and the sport we love. Um, as always, visit the Striker Texas and you're a subscriber, I assume. Of course. The, the love amount it. of Striker Texas content I consume is like alarming at points. So I was going to find an article and I was just like, just read them all. 
Uh, you know, just look at all the Austin FC you know, articles. The testament I could give to the strikers when y'all asked me to come on, I was a bit panicked of like, how do I do good research for this? And what I ended up doing was reading all the really good work um, that, you know, Victor and John and Phil have written about Houston and Dallas. That's, that's a lot of, largely where I got a lot of my insights from. So, um, you know, whether you're studying other in-state opponents or just trying to get a, a really educated view on what's happening around Austin, because we all know Chris Bills does just a killer job. Like, it's worth a subscription, y'all, just for your sake, but it's also worth a subscription because we should support the soccer community in the state and help grow the game. And that's the best way to do it is media coverage. So full, full co-sign here for me on, on subscribing to the Striker Texas. Yeah, and they talk about it a lot, but the fact that they are actually sending people to every MLS match is pretty unique. It's insane. And I know I know Phil's loving it because some of the other guys are on um, Gold Cup duty this week. So Phil's or this month, Phil's had the chance to go to a lot of places and cover a lot of matches um, because there's the commitment to doing to doing that like in person coverage. You know, even you know, even even when you got somebody else who isn't the normal person on the beat. Right, and listen. To all the Striker Texas listeners out here who work for the company, if you ever just need to send somebody else to a game, <laughs> you know where to find me on Twitter. I respond to DMs. Just let me know. Happy to help out. I'm not the best writer, but can certainly go and like have a good time and talk about it on Twitter or something. So hit me up. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really heavy pitch there, man. Uh, just, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just ruined hard. any friendship I had with Andy Logname with that last joke. So I've got to build a new bridge. <laughs> I love it. All right. We're going to wrap it up. So thanks so much for listening. Landon and I will be back next week when I will be in Florida and Landon will be in Mexico uh, to cover the uh, two matches this week, preview the RLSL match on August 14th and cover any other Austin FC news that comes up. Until then, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And I'm Chris Wellhausen. We'll catch you next time. Have a good one, y'all. When no one is around. Okay, man. You ready to do this? You going to do the opening? Yeah. Do you think I should throw in an all right, all right, all right, or no? <laughs> I think you should. I think I should. Just be you, man. Whatever you, however you. As I told. It's going to be loose. As I told you before, never go full well house. <laughs> <laughs> never go full well house. <laughs>